with sound. All right. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Watch With Sound. My name is Josh Landicho, and with me is... Carmela Ocampo. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing the new Netflix original, Gunpowder Milkshake, directed by Navat Pap- Papushado, starring Karen Gillian, Lena Headey, Carla Gugino, Chloe Coleman, Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett, and Paul Giamatti. This is a fairly new film. It's currently streaming on Netflix. Um, so I just want to give you all a heads up like we always do. This is going to be a spoiler-filled review, conversation, whatever you want to call it. So if you don't want this movie spoiled for you for whatever reason, which is obviously a good reason to want to be spoiled, <laughs> don't listen to this episode. If you want it to be spoiled for whatever reason, go ahead and listen to it. I'm not your mom, not your father. I'm not your guardian. You could do whatever you want. This is your life. This is America, you know? <laughs> So if you want to spoil it for yourself, is that is your choice. <laughs> um, but with that, Carmela, what were your expectations, your context, your preconceived notions of the film Gunpowder Milkshake before you saw it? Um, I had pretty mild, you know, excitement. I thought the cast looked pretty good. I liked everyone that was in it it looked like a fun you know like action sort of like neo-noir action flick type of style you know um yeah and then you know I think with like Netflix produced movies there's always like a thing where I'm like it might not be amazing but it'll be fun kind of thing because it's that's usually what comes with Netflix produced movies um so yeah I had like mild excitement what about you Joshua (laughs) Okay, so when we were, I was like gonna get angry while we're watching, when we were writing this outline, um, because on the outline you said I was super excited, which is false. No. I was not super excited. (laughs) Okay. So stoked. Uh, It's my turn. Uh, I think you had your turn. Uh, You you asked me the question. This is a conversational (laughs) podcast. I'm talking back (laughs) to you. Okay, so let me tell my side of the story. Um, so Carmel has stated that she's she was mildly excited for the film, um, and I had the same views as her. Yeah. <clears throat> same views as her, excuse me. Um, that like it's a Netflix original, so it's either a hit or miss, essentially. Um, and after watching the trailer, um, I was like, oh yeah, it looks looks okay, looks decent. I'm, I have my doubts about it just because like there are a lot of films that try and do this sort of style, this neo noir style, this like. Um, drive Quintarantino, you know, wannabe that like tries really hard. And sometimes they, they work out, you know, Edgar Wright so movies are kind of the same vein, but honestly a lot of, like fantastic movies. So I can't even argue, but whenever I see like these sort of almost copycat films like this one, I was like, I was kind of like hesitant to say like, Oh, it'll be good or bad. But um after you and Sophia watched the trailer you guys oh my god it looks pretty good yeah pretty excited and I was like I don't know it looks kind of like a drive you know drive copycat I don't know how I feel about it like I'm down to watch it but but then again you know who knows what's gonna happen um and you guys like no like you guys like no it's gonna be really good looks really good Karen Gillian you guys like started hyping up like all right then I'm kind (laughs) of excited too then you know you guys are excited I'm excited it's very contagious fun is contagious sometimes I was like all right you know what yeah you're right you guys are right maybe it'll be fun Mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't doubt it so much maybe I should just have fun you know turn off my breath and that's like Mm -hmm. my exact reaction is that like I was 
hesitant and then i got excited because you too were all excited about it i was like okay maybe i'll be excited about it too then you know i want to be a party pooper i want to fit in you know i want to adapt to my friends <laughs> well yeah that was the story of what my excitement was mm-hmm. um and so with that carmela do you want to give a little plot summary of the film an assassin gets tangled with a young girl after a mission goes wrong. She must team up with her estranged mother and her former colleagues to save the young girl's life. Whoa! <laughs> so I guess with that, Carmel, that little plot summary, what did you think of Gunpowder Milkshake after you watched it? I thought it was okay. You know, it was, I think it was pretty fun sometimes. Um, And I think obviously with the mindset of like, with my personal mindset and your personal mindset of going into it, not taking it too seriously, I think we were able to look over a lot of like things that would probably have bothered us if we, if it was like another like movie or something like that. but yeah, I think overall it was a fun action movie, but you know, the flaws like, you know, the script and underdeveloped and underutilized characters um were and like a lot of plot holes were things we definitely like I definitely overlooked um in order to like keep going with the movie. Um but that's also not to say that I think they definitely had like a direction in mind with like kind of like a mini they even like set up kind of this universe where like a lot of the the sets were very like kind of iconic um and this universe where it sort of revolved around like you know this ambiguous like corporation the firm and also like just criminals like generally general criminals and assassins just roaming around in diners and libraries just you know willy-nilly um so i think there was there's some elements there that have a lot of like potential if they do go on with the sequel but i think yeah this first movie was fun but definitely needs like a lot of improvement good point good points made um (laughs) yeah i think um a movie like this and the way that we approached it was honestly the perfect way like i think I think we we kind of developed a way to watch movies in which that we yeah. don't necessarily take it so seriously, you know? We don't, like, necessarily take it too seriously or take it too jokingly that we kind of hit a ground in which, like, we're able to enjoy subpar movies. And I honestly love that just because, like, watching movies is so fun now that, like, I don't, like, <laughs> constantly judge or rethink yeah. certain things, you know? Like, movies are just, like, so fun to watch. And, like, there are people that, like, I know that, like, take it i won't say take it seriously but like take it to a certain extent where like they'll immediately not like something because of like one minor thing and like i think when we watch it uh, it's such a good me like a good uh, equilibrium we have like we know when it's bad but we know when we could have fun and i love that we could we are able to do that and i will like talk about it um but yeah like, like you said like it's it's a fun action film nonetheless it was entertaining i had a lot of fun with it um but yeah, like like the the scripts and the character development, and sort of like the inner details and and mechanisms within this film is where like it ex- exposes its its flaws and its bad parts of it. Like there are a lot of instances with this film that like obviously need more work. 
even if it did look cool while it was happening like obviously it still needed better writing it needed a better way of having this vehicle to make the story better in that sense um but honestly like a lot of fun things were happening in this film the direction of a lot of things were fun um a lot of the scenes the action um the set pieces they were doing was a was a lot of fun like honestly like i was honestly surprised like wow that's really creative that's really cool like for instance like that dentist doctor scene of her not being able to use her hands i thought that was so sick and like i thought that was so fun even though they're like there's some things that are like okay that like i was kind of like okay that kind of can't happen in real life you know like that kind of is kind of looked over um but that whole set piece and that whole um sequence of that stuff happening was so cool to watch and it was so fun like just seeing how she was able to maneuver herself with her arms and like 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 swing her arms essentially to like attack certain people and like kill certain people it was really fun and like it was so it was really creative even though there are some things that we needed to accept as regards to like plot holes and certain um technicalities that like well they could have just done that and she would have died kind of a thing you know and again like I, i appreciate the fact that we're able to sort of like not look over but able to um take note of it and still enjoy the movie in that sense and not let it bother us um but yeah so like something like that like the dentist and doctor scenes were really fun to watch um you had that scene at the bowling alley that had this really cool bowling alley i was like trying to look up if it was real i don't think (laughs) it is but like the really yeah the really cool scenes of like the lights activating in in the bowling alley and how they it showcases the fight in a artistic way in that sense and you have like the library scene that you know is pretty cool to watch and and see these certain uh sections of the library be utilized by the librarians that control it even though they're sort of part of this like spy thing spy firm um they're still able to like use each section off and like use it as something that like they're used to and know where things are hiding um not to mention like i love the fact that like each book is a almost a nickname for each weapon like oh take this shell Silverstein or like whatever female author they gave her and um it had a book or if it didn't have a book it was like something different um i don't even think shell Silverstein's like what would that even be i apologize for not knowing female authors i, I was put on the spot <laughs> yeah as a man i know i was put on the spot oh no Typical anyways man. moving on i know i'm gonna edit that so i look good you know i look i'm gonna, <laughs> i'm just kidding anyways but the female authors in the books were nicknames for for um certain weaponry i'm not gonna try and name any authors i obviously don't Can know any female name authors. one female <laughs> Are you nervous now? Yeah, I'm like too on the spot. Like I'm like like, really overthinking. I'm like, like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we're all human. We make mistakes Mm -hmm. sometimes. You know, Um, there are a lot of amazing female authors, um, (laughs) but unfortunately, I can't read. I am illiterate, so I can't read whatsoever. Unfortunately, um, right, right. So I. Even if I knew any books, you know, I couldn't read the authors or the books in general. Um, So, yes, anyways, as I was saying, um, library scene. (laughs) It was really fun to watch. And then you have sort of the the diner that sort of played as this iconic location slash set piece for the beginning and the end of the film, um, which both had very fun fun scenes and fun set pieces as well that furthered the story. 
But yeah, how did you feel about those scenes? And would you like to name some female authors that you know <laughs> to educate an illiterate person like me? Um, you know, maybe teach me how to read. Maybe. Yeah, totally. Um, there's Agatha Christie. <laughs> there's Jane Austen. Right. Um, Correct. I think. I don't know if the person that you're thinking of is Mary Shelley. I don't know if that came to mind when you said Shel Silverstein. Mary Shelley yes. wrote Frankenstein. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was on the right path. I was on the right path. You just a, a portion just divergent, of it. Yeah. You know? I, exactly, you know, you're, people do yeah. it all the time. People do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mixing names up, mixing, <laughs> you know, genders sometimes. Mixing genders. Um, people make I mean, mistakes. Yeah, okay. People make mistakes, you know. Um, especially all. someone who's illiterate. Hard for me to read. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know any authors because I can't. Except Shel so. Silverstein, right? Yes. <laughs> and I'm not gonna explain myself on that one. <laughs> I don't have a funny I'm joke to say with that either. one. I'll try to I'll like, try to think like, oh, what's really funny? And I'm not gonna I don't, I don't explain know. myself. <laughs> okay. I don't know why that came up. It's I'm fine. sorry, audience. It's fine. <laughs> We're not going to remember this forever and never bring it up okay, ever again. Okay. Um, I hope not. <laughs> hope not. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I really liked, you know, all of the locations. I think that was definitely what stood out to me the most in this movie. Because um, I, I realized or I noticed, like, just how much they emphasize, like, the, what's it called, artistic direction of the locations and the sets. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, and I like how the movie is structured to be like, you know, she's obviously, or Karen Gillan's moving, like, from one location to the next. It's like, even though that's a very easy, like, plot thing to do, it's like, oh, where's this person? Okay, we got to go here now. It's like, okay, what's next? Okay, we got to go here now. Um, nonetheless, it was still fun. Um and I think one location you didn't mention was the parking garage scene where she had to, or she was still paralyzed from the dentist doctor place. Um, and she had to like tell, teach a little girl how to drive and like tell her when to turn. So I thought that was really fun and creative too. Um, yeah, I totally forgot about that scene, even though again, like, Watching that scene, um, I had to go get over yeah, some plot holes like, or some things that like would easily catch her, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, that was really fun to see, you know, teaching her how to drive, also like driving and maneuvering themselves to escape the bad people, and then like hiding in certain spots that like uh, honestly are pretty obvious. One, she's driving a red, a red car. That's like the most yeah. obvious color, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like bright red Porsche that like is nowhere to be found like that's the only car in that parking garage that is a porsche that is red um but yeah i go on it's fine but yeah i thought that was such a creative take on you know your typical you know getaway like driving bad guys chasing you in the car type of scene um and i think just overall like because you know those first three action scenes were very like creative and sort of like i don't know i at this point i think they're iconic um for this movie i was expecting you know it to kind of like get cooler and cooler but you know the library scene was still cool but it was very like much your typical like you know bad guys storming in you know they're taking him out um yeah like like your typical last stand scene it's yeah. like it was obvious that place was gonna be the setting for like this big fight essentially yeah so i was like oh okay like you know it's still cool but i kind of wish there was a creative twist to something um other than like you know 
Carla Gugino like breaking out this massive fucking gun with like two guys like coming in like why did she need this giant ass and then aimless aimlessly aiming <laughs> yeah. like she's not even aiming she's just shooting she's like just, places they she no, thinks it is nobody like, there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. yeah for literally two bad guys and one that she wasn't able to kill somehow like, you have this yeah. minigun that like <laughs> you have this artillery you can beat this one dude and you died at the end <laughs> exactly and like you know the diner scene like I like the aspect of how, you know, it kind of went back to the beginning type of thing. Like, and it, the diner was like this meeting, very important, like meeting spot, confrontation spot. Um, and I was just a little disappointed with how that sort of like turned out, despite the fact that it was a very cool slow motion, like, you know, scene. I feel like there was like something more they could have done with that somehow i don't know um but yeah like overall very cool set pieces um and i think that brings me to like something else that bothered me with the movie which was like the tone i guess i think overall it was like kind of consistent but i think i spent some time trying to figure out like what like how serious they were trying to be and like how kind of comically like absurd like they were trying to be because yeah the doctor dentist scene the what's it called the three guys the three goons like chasing um karen gillen were very like cartoony villains you know they're like they were like high off of the gas or whatever but they were very much like you know laughing like giggling like that whole scene played out very comically cartoonishly um yeah and, and the fact that they're like trying to fight her on crutches and yeah and laughing at the same time and, and it was really weird that they like made them so goofy when yeah. in like the beginning of them when you first see them they're like really serious and like we got a good or but like kind of like very serious and yeah. very, like ready to fight and then all of a sudden they become stripped down to these like three buffoons <laughs> essentially <laughs> that try and fight like one girl with no arms essentially and like yeah the level of like seriousness with the bad guys like you know jim McAllister, he's like shrouded in shadows and he's like blah 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 get me this person on the phone where's my son or whatever um and then like the dentist doctor scene happens and you're like wait it's kind of funny and silly and then the next parking garage scene, some guy gets decapitated. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, holy shit, like, this is serious. That was super gory, holy shit. Um, and then that level of gore never happens again. It's like cartoony blood at that point. And I'm like, yo, did the budget just all go to this decapitation? Because <laughs> it looked like yeah, pretty that's gnarly. actually That's actually true. Because I feel like there are a lot of scenes in the film where... Um, later on like the second act it seemed like they censored the deaths like yeah. <laughs> like comparatively like we we saw this dude essentially blow up and his blood's go everywhere his blood goes everywhere we saw that dude get decapitated we see these like certain things and then like towards the end of the film like you don't see that much death like you kind of it kind of shelters you from it which is a weird decision um it pulls back like, and it's funny yeah it dials it back a lot um, and it's kind of funny that we we're talking about this because with these sort of films, I think we were talking about this beforehand. Um, we start to get into like the flaws and things like that, and sometimes we just start trashing the <laughs> film. But I and this is kind of like this the area we're getting into. We'll see if we it goes downhill. But 
um essentially this is where like i had problems with it you had problems with it especially with like the tone the writing the character development um the confusing nature of these of this movie it was it was very questionable and i think um it's something that we really wanted to talk about because like it's something that like bothered us the most like it could have been a really good film but like personally like when it came to the writing when it came to the character development and the weird like tonal shifts like it felt like like sam the main character was supposed to be almost like this john wick slash driver character where she's like very very mysterious very vague you don't know anything about her past you don't know really anything about her except that she's this agent um and then she starts to like confusingly become more personable if that makes sense she starts to show almost too much emotion to have her character be this cool main character she starts to show off like her caring nature side uh, caring nature uh, <laughs> caring nature side of her um especially <laughs> especially when it comes with the kid like when the mom shows up and when she talks to the three librarians she becomes someone that tries almost tries to be relatable in a sense of like that she has emotions and and the way that she was introduced was like total the, totally the opposite where she's like this cool um vague laid back character that just like gets the job done regardless how messy it is she looks cool doing it you know and then she puts on like that jacket that's like kind of copying drive in that sense of like having this weird souvenir souvenir jacket but it was like it became kind of weird and it kind of became like a ripoff because like she wasn't that character she wasn't someone that was cool anymore like i guess quote unquote cool someone that wasn't mysterious she, she starts to like open herself up weirdly to the audience and not in a way that like is flattering for her um it just came really weird like especially for her that's what bothered me the most is like her sort of like character arcs became really confusing because i didn't understand like tonally what's who sam was in that sense and and what she was trying to portray as a guards as a guards like a main character like was she trying to be someone that was actually caring or someone that didn't care and was acting cool like it, it clashed together so weirdly that like i'm talking a lot about it that like <laughs> it kind of bothers me because also like that um sam was one of the reasons why like i kind of felt like before we watched the movie that this movie be kind of weird because it seemed like they're trying to make her off as a strive character with the jacket and her cool nature of things. Like, I think that's why I was so apprehensive with, with wanting to be excited for this film was because something like how they portrayed Sam was really off to me, even though I did have fun with her and did have fun with the movie. Like the fact that she was someone that like was supposed to be cool, but then they drastically like changed her tone and then like changed the tone of the film as well. It became like this weird, like confusing loop de loop um but yeah how did you feel like how did you feel about her character and like continue and continue on like how you felt about like the tone and and the writing with this film yeah i i definitely agree with like um yeah how her sort of character arc quote unquote like didn't really feel like it flowed too well it felt like she felt like almost two different people at some point um and i also felt like I didn't really know who she was or what she really wanted out of like anything um, and why she was doing like her motivations were a little like like we weren't very clear you know like other like other than like what we're being told like on the screen um, or what we're being shown like you know she's like this very brooding like mysterious character at first and we obviously know she 
is has been like abandoned by her mother for some reason um and so she's like introduced as very like very cold she like doesn't care if she does like a messy like mission she's like okay yeah whatever i had to do it um and they keep driving home that she's like you know a really really great assassin she's like the best or something like that um and i definitely like didn't feel like she was the best assassin like it felt like you know we were just being told this and then what we were being shown was very like typical sort of like action scenes minus like the doctor dentist scene but i think the initial bowling alley scene felt really stiff and weird um because I, I think that was like finally when we're being shown like you know her first scene of like fighting it was kind of like oh okay like yeah she's good <laughs> i guess she beat three guys with bowling balls um and i think that the point where they started humanizing humanizing her was when after she you know killed the dad met the little girl felt bad um she was she to me it reminded me of her character from guardians of the galaxy nebula like that's that was like her entire like persona that i was reminded of and i was like oh it's like she's like playing nebula but not in the mcu she's in this movie but she still had the same like very short sentences kind of like gruff but then she's kind of awkward but like a little funny or whatever when she's interacting with a little girl um so i could not get that out of my mind because i was just reminded of that um and yeah, I was just like, oh, she's Nebula. Okay, I guess this is cool. She's bonding with this little girl because she feels bad for her. And I think the connection, the emotional connection we were supposed to have was like, she was abandoned by her mom and she took away this kid's parent. She feels bad. So she wants to like plug herself in that role in this child's life. And then I'll tell you my biggest problem with the movie which was how they reintroduce her mom into the story. It like kind of like totally messed up the movie for me because after that point, it was kind of downhill, TBH. Um, it was like this exposition dump of like, oh yeah, I had to leave because <laughs> of your dad and I loved him. And then I killed him and then I ran away because I didn't want you to be you know, killed by the firm or whoever, but then you ended up being an assassin and I've been watching you all these years and it's like, okay, <laughs> like, all right, go off. But yeah, it was like this very clunky sort of exposition thing where they just shoved her in there. They were like, okay, now it's time to introduce the mom again and then they'll bond. Now it's a bonding mother-daughter movie. Forget the little girl, she's gone she's not out of the picture now it's about mother daughter um so yeah it's like obviously these like very small details that ultimately add up that like really make or break this like movies like this and i know some people might not like dig deep into this or maybe they'll feel like something's wrong but they won't really like be able to nitpick like how all like the combination all of these things can really bog down like the potential and like the very creative premise like a movie could have um so yeah how did you ultimately feel about the mom's character i guess 
Um, while I'm talking about that, I want to give you the task of, if you already don't have it in your head, how else would you introduce the mom into the movie? Oh. Um, um, if you don't, if you haven't already thought about it, how would you do it? I vaguely. Or you could just tell me you have it. <laughs> I vaguely. You, you could think about it while I'm talking. Okay. I mean, while I have it in my brain right now, um, I vaguely had thought about it. Um, I think it would have been more powerful if, you know, the mom actually wasn't on her side to like, as she's being reunited with her, I think it would have been better if the mom was working for like the enemy team and she had to sort of face off with her in terms of like, like in some kind of physical and moral battle. Um, Cause I kind of wanted the mom to like, like for real betray like her three friends, the three librarian ladies. I wanted her to turn like, cause they describe her as betraying them because she disappeared. And it's like, okay, she had to like, why are you mad? Um, so I liked the aspect of betrayal. I was like, okay, this could be a little powerful. Like, so I think if the mom truly had turned on her friends and switch sides for some reason, I think it would have been cool to have mother daughter face off. And, you know, obviously that has like conflict of interest cause it's her mom and she hasn't seen her, but also she's like, learns that she's kind of evil. Um, so I think that would have been a cool direction to go with. So you actually wanted the mom to be a villain? Like yeah. towards, I guess towards, oh wow, interesting. Interesting switch of things there. Um, but yeah, um, you made a good point about the mom and sort of how, that dismantled a, a lot of the movie as regards like it being good and it being cohesive in that sense and not only the mom but we have like the confusing things with the firm we have confusing things with like paul giamatti's character in that sense um the fact that like paul giamatti like was also a roller coaster in the sense of like he was good to sam and then like towards the end he he became the main antagonist that like was supposed to be viewed as a villain, but like I still saw him as someone that helped. So it was like weird to like picture Paul Giamatti be the bad guy in this, but he was a bad guy in that sense. Um, very confusing um, and very weird. And at the end, he became like the little scapegoat to almost being a sequel thing of like her pointing the gun at him and then threatening his life and stuff like that. Um, and then we have the idea with the firm and, and how that actually functions. Because if you send Sam to kill somebody that is part of the group you're not supposed to kill, that's kind of conflicting. And like, why did the firm side with the other people that they killed? Again, very weird, very, I guess, nitpicky, I guess you can say. Um, but yeah, with the mom, which is the main point of this, was the mom um, being someone that was introduced so blatantly and so openly it uh ruined the the emotional factor of it i think like the way she was introduced it was very quick very snappy very like all right here she is kind of a thing um <laughs> yeah. it was kind of weird and it was very very like it lost all sort of traction as regards to like how much i cared about sam or, or cared about the mom or them even meeting each other um and i kind of had a feeling just because like the way paul giamatti is like go to this building you'll have help there it's the mom that's been missing for years. <laughs> you know, it's weird that like that became the secret weapon, but it, it became something that really dismantled parts of the movie that like really could have held this thing together. Um, 
like you said like we we quickly found out why she left we quickly found out like what happened to her all in one scene and like in maybe like what 10 minutes like we, like all the questions that we sort of had about her was quickly answered um the daughter or the little girl was kind of pushed back in that sense um but you're also overlooking the fact that like we had a very cool in the library scene we have we had cool moments of them like fighting with each other or fighting together and sort of learning about things and having that like back-to-back thing of them like shooting each other um and almost had um we almost had like a like a scary moment where like she could have died essentially like the mom or the daughter could have died um and i was like constantly questioning if she was going to survive constantly questioning if, like if any librarians are going to die um and sadly one of them does unfortunately but i think um it was something that like i really liked but again like it, a lot of the emotional investment was lost with how she was introduced um i'm not necessarily sure if i would like your way of happening it, of like her becoming a villain just because like i don't know i kind of like their bond i kind of like that little thing of them like fighting together and realizing that they work well together and that she should have never left kind of and and almost like it almost uh pushes the fact that like sam didn't want the little girl to become herself um and seeing that with her mom and seeing that like with how she became an assassin and stuff like that like it was something that like drove the ending i guess um i personally don't know yet how i want the mom to be introduced i do like i do like your idea though because like it's very fun it's very like something that's like whoa crazy and you have this big battle and she becomes a main antagonist and like it's like all those crazy scenes of like oh you're supposed to be my mother and like they're like fighting and stuff like that and having these scenes of like like how could you leave me and become the bad person kind of a thing and those sort of things sound fun like i kind of like imagining that and and things like that but i did like her being on sam's side unfortunately um yeah but i know i do agree though that like the way this mom was introduced especially so quickly in the movie i feel like like in the middle exactly in the middle kind of she was introduced um really did hurt the movie in that way and i think um even if she was going to be a good guy I don't know, maybe make the introduction more impactful. Uh, it's it's really weird. I don't know how they could possibly do that. Um, and also, the mom also led to the diner scene, which I loved a lot, of the slow motion fighting and everything like that, even though there are some things that, you you know, kind of had problems with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool to see that, like, the, mo- the mom was like, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you in the exact diner I left you at kind of a thing. Um, but yeah. You are right, though. The introduction of the mom was really weird. But I don't know if I feel I would like how she becomes a villain, even though, like, it's fun to think about. I don't know if, like, that's the overall choice I want to have for her. Um, I'm trying to think of a way. But with, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go on. Go on. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to um, write in the mom where she's still on the side of her daughter. And... I feel like it was, I feel like she should have been revealed earlier in the movie, but then that also doesn't really work because, well, like the reason why the emotional, all the emotional impact was taken away in the moment of her introduction was because Sam was set up to have this emotional weight of abandonment that sort of defined her because we are introduced to that from the beginning. That is the 
first thing we see. So Sam is carrying this emotional sadness and like all of a sudden it's like gone and you're like, oh, okay, what am I investing in then? Um, And then at that point they start developing this relationship with her mom and then you're like, okay, like this is kind of nice. Like I'm enjoying this. Um, But I'm trying to think like either like how to gracefully like just transition her in with like keeping all of these like elements in play I don't know I have no idea (laughs) I'm trying to think like either a little earlier or a little later in the movie somehow like because like it was the reveal was like kind of played up to be a reveal (laughs) but it wasn't a surprise to anybody um yeah because she sort of just showed up it was like, oh, she's at the hotel. You told me to go. That kind of yeah. Like, okay, that's cool. It was like um, I have no go on, go on go. I'm sorry. It was like her disappearance was a problem that was set up to be a really big mystery, and then in the end, it wasn't. It was like, oh, okay, she just kind of ran into her in the hallway. Like, okay, <laughs> like hi, and then also she's like, oh, I've been watching you this whole time, and it's just like, okay, why didn't you say hi? <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> you clearly saw I could defend myself for all these years, <laughs> and you just did not. You could have stopped me from killing that person's son. You could have stopped me from <laughs> like, killing the girl's uh, father. It just didn't make sense. It's like, okay, he left me so that I wouldn't die from these bad people, but then I clearly became a killer. <laughs> it's like, I can defend myself now. So, you know, we could have had, you could have got something going a little earlier, but it's fine. It's fine. Sorry. <laughs> so I have like kind of quick, quick, quick ideas for how the mom should be introduced. I haven't flushed it out yet. It just sounded kind of fun. Um, but one, is that the mom has been like somehow kidnapped and essentially Sam has to find her. Um, that's one option. That's very, very, you know, typical in that sense. Second one is there's, there's some sort of like paper trail or some sort of like clues that are being slowly given out to Sam in which that like it becomes almost a choice for Sam to like, either look for her mom or keep going and keep trying to avoid these enemies that are trying to kill her kind of a thing. Um, and maybe like later down the road, the mom could pop out and help her out or she finds her somehow. And then that's how they sort of like solve that problem in that sense. Um, third one is that she does become the villain, but it becomes something that's like, like as they're fighting it becomes a mystery as regards to like if the mom survived if she killed sam and then like it could be this like giant reveal at the diner that like the mom killed sam but then she didn't really kill sam and she opens fire on the enemies and stuff like that that'd be really cool and sam pops out saves the dot saves the little girl and then dips out kind of a thing um that could have been an option that sounds really fun um but yeah i don't know like just quickly thinking about it, those sound kind of fun. I'm not sure if that solves your problem or our problem with it. Um, it just changes. But yeah, those are. It just changes it. But like, I don't know how. Like in a way that like would effectively help how we feel about it. It would. It would definitely change. Like you know the emotional resonance because it would be like different. You know the stakes would be different at that point. But I like all of those ideas. They're all like you know fun directions. They obviously could have gone with. Um, but yeah, I hope, 
you know, the next movie or if they choose to do a sequel, it's, you know, the focus is a little more clear as to like, you know, where the emotional resonance will lie because, you know, we were for in the be- like the beginning, we were only just starting to kind of become invested with this little girl Karen Gillan dynamic and then it was taken away and then we were like okay now there's a new dynamic we're trying to invest in I hope next movie they sort of just kind of like focus on one you know I don't know oh did you say next movie and or sequel you said the magic word whoa (laughs) um transition (laughs) (laughs) on to our next topic which is the next movie sequel um i guess with that um if there were to be a sequel or prequel would you want it i think you kind of really brushed up upon like what you want to see in the sequel slash prequel um i don't know would you want to see karen gillian again would you want to see the daughter grow, or the little girl grow up? Would you want to see the mom again? What are things you want to see in the sequel and or prequel of Gunpowder Milkshake? If you haven't said it already. I would love to see, you know, all the original, like, you know, cast of characters. Um, I would definitely love to see a return of the doctor somehow. That would be fun. <laughs> I don't know how. I think I could see him going back, like, report to headquarters if he works for the firm or something i could see him like being a part of like that um like building or whatever i hope the sequel could be about you know karen gillen her mom and you know michelle yo and angela bassett facing off the firm as like a whole like the entire company kind of thing kind of tackling that paul giamatti might be like what's it called you know torn between two sides of like an alliance he like ultimately will choose one or the other um and maybe like suffer for it in the end um i'm hoping the little girl kind of takes on the role or the mantle of carla gugino because she was the last person she was with so i hope she kind of like pseudo replaces her as the third member of the librarians i don't know how but um Because she's, like, her protege. Or, like, she could be a protege or something. But, yeah, I think that could be fun. Like, you know, just, like, these, you know, women just tackling this big, bad firm. And then just everything blows up and it'll be cool. And I hope they go through levels of each floor. And each floor is, like, different, differently themed or something. And then they somehow end up in the penthouse roof or whatever, the meeting boardroom. Something like that. I don't know. Just throwing out ideas. (laughs) (laughs) is it yeah because this particular film universe i guess you can say is very unique because i think uh there hasn't been any big action female driven movies like this i think like maybe kill bill but that still had a lot of males in it um but i think sucker punch too but that got really bad reviews i never watched it heard as bad um (laughs) zack snyder ironically enough um anyways um with me I'm down for both a prequel and a sequel. It'll be cool to have a prequel and just see, like, Karen Gillian's past, um, especially when it had to do with, like, killing that, like, son guy or the the guy's son um, and her journey through the spy world in that sense. That'd be cool to see. Um, if there is a sequel, actually, like, I was thinking about how you're talking about how, like, the little daughter could be, like, a protege kind of thing. I'm actually fine if there's a sequel that the daughter's not in it because they're trying to avoid her being part of that world 
and how dare they fail that premise in the second movie <laughs> of her becoming her. an went, assassin. She witnessed too much. It's too late. She has to be part Did you not see the sniper rifle to Paul Giamatti's heart and the threat that Karen Gillian made? You can't go back on that. And that scary dream that she had of her. That was actually kind of weird. I, that we was weird. That. Was weird. I that forgot she, about she it. She had this weird scary dream yeah. about it. That's it's like, psych. <laughs> such, a weird, such a weird tonal shift. Yeah, it was like, oh, here's a scary part. Oh, just kidding. She was dreaming all along. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I would like to not see the daughter there just so she could follow through with the promise. But also, it, it would make sense as well that like she does become part of the assassin group and it'd be kind of cute and fun to see like, Oh, how do I do this with the knife? Or like, how do I slice someone's head off? Or They're whatever. like little girl toys and or something. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, or like candy little cell training phone. sessions. <laughs> exactly. Or like before, like Karen Gillian's actually like killing an enemy. She like stop and be like, Oh, this is how you do it. Click and kills the person. <laughs> it'd be kind of fun to see, kind of fun to see that in that sense. Um, but yeah, I would love to see all these characters again. Um, just a really, really fun film. And like, it'd be cool to see like Angela Bassett and Michelle Yu and stuff like that and the mom and, and things like that to come back and try and figure out how to escape the firm or destroy the firm or even make their own kind of spy agency that's female-led, female-driven, and, and female-based would be cool to see. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly love the this like I love this film. I had a lot of fun with it, and I wish if it does become a sequel or a prequel, it'd be really fun to see, and I hope they do it right next time. Um I just hope that it's good. Um, and with that, I wanted to ask you um, sort of how this movie sort of like pairs with other sort of, I guess, quote unquote wannabes. Like when it comes to Edgar Wright, Drive, Tarantino films, you have that like actiony feel, but it's kind of fun. It has a cool soundtrack, you know, bumping a little soundtrack and cool little action scenes. Um, and we were trying to figure out movies before this episode, movies like that reminded of reminded us of it and there's a lot i don't know i just can't name it there's a lot of movies that are these cap copycats slash um wannabes of like edgar wright films drives and tarantino films and i want to ask you how this film pairs up with copycats and not only copycats but pairs with the original films like baby driver drive kill bill in that sense how does this pair up to those and pair up to the copycats of these films um I think to me there was like very obvious like yeah comparisons and inspirations for the tone and stylization of this movie. Um I think all you know Edgar Wright Drive Tarantino movies are all like on you know sort of the spectrum of the noir genre. Um and I think you know the copycats and then like the B movies that are like the copycats or whatever um that have recently come out i feel like you know people tend to i think rate them as subpar obviously compared to these like much more you know well scripted well directed movies um and i don't know how to feel about people kind of bagging on movies for that reason like i totally get it because it's like oh you're just copying this style like that was an easy thing to do. Why don't you do something original or whatever? Um, like in the, in terms of like, you know, small details, like Karen Gillan get a bowling alley embroidered jacket. So obviously, like very obviously a nod to like drive. And it's there. She literally had no reason 
to like kind of put it on but she they kind of like wrote it in the movie um they kind of shorted it in they're like yeah oh, you gotta take off your clothes and put on this shirt this shirt oh there's a jacket down there like it was really weird like obviously this jacket served no purpose other than the fact of like having that nod to drive yeah and honestly like i don't know if that was on purpose i mean, I think it definitely was like blatantly on purpose like hey i'm gonna get this cool jacket you know that one movie where there's a cool jacket um i don't know and like i on online i saw a lot of people bagging on this movie for ripping off quote-unquote ripping off like john wick um and i personally have not seen any john wick movies which is crazy to say um that I've come this far for so many years without even seeing one, but um, I'm kind of glad that I didn't because I wouldn't have that sort of like tainted comparison with it, I guess. I wouldn't be constantly like, oh, it's kind of like this scene is like this scene in John Wick and it was like this and this. Um, Honestly, I personally don't really mind when movies do this, when they like, quote-unquote copy like styles or like try to sort of reference like a d- one director's iconic sort of like style or whatever I just care if like I have fun the movie is good and makes sense um every like you know like all of these elements if you tell a good story and the movie is good then I'm totally fine with it and this is obviously very subjective to who is making this movie you know because like if someone as iconic with a style like tarantino suddenly tries to copy some other director's style we're gonna notice we're gonna be like yo this isn't your original movie you're known for originality um but yeah that's just my two cents how do you feel about movies like this so with that and that you mentioned like the john wick like um, comparison of people putting it it's funny because like the john wick fandom is so interesting it's oh, like yeah. this weird this weird like secretive die hard but also like i don't show it that much but i do love this film a lot kind of a fandom and they're really ride or die for it it's really weird i like it's weird that there's like this large group of people that feel so passionately about it <laughs> i watched like one of the john wicks pretty good um and i understand why it has a like a, a fandom and a following um but it's this weird sub weird side note of like that little fandom is kind of weird but um for me when it comes to copycats and originals especially when it comes to this kind of genre um i totally get it and i totally am open to it just because like i'm tired of like there's certain aspects in different movies that paved the way that like i kind of don't like i mean not even movies but just one director which is quentin tarantino i just have a problem with like the overuse of feet overuse of like the n-word overuse of like certain aspects of that films that like i get it like you kind of want to get that fantastical shot but i just don't there's sometimes where i'm just like okay like yeah it wouldn't be a cool tarantino movie without that and i just hate that fact that like he's also like this pinnacle of of film favorites and people loving his films and like always using him as like that staple one to like point out and say like, Oh, have you seen Pulp Fiction? I bet you have it. Like, you know, that those memes of like, the snobby. Oh, I, have, I bet you haven't seen this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It becomes this like snobby profile that 
um tarantino films and tarantino in general like things that like hit into the world and like let me introduce you to this world of tarantino it's really annoying and, and like not the, not at that like it's essentially his fault or his movie's fault it's just like the way that like it's perceived now especially with social media and things like making fun of it and also exposing him in a certain extent um but something like baby driver kind of comes to mind in my head i think like that movie was was kind of recent right now like it kind of came out not too long ago I think something like that was obviously a, a nod to Drive, a nod to these fun action films that have these um, unique premises and unique styles of putting a little humor in there, putting a little fun. Um, that's a good example of it, I think, is Baby Driver. And I think um, if something like that wasn't made or or didn't draw influences to Drive or Tarantino movies or any sort of the action movie, it wouldn't be as effective. I think a lot of these older and uh, influential movies obviously are going to pave the way for these filmmakers to make something like that and the copycats are honestly i'm totally fine with it because i want more of these fun things i want to see someone else's perspective and translation of those films into their own film and into what they could possibly make like i'm always open to that and i always want to see how it's translated because it could be really fun it could be really bad obviously or it could just be entertaining it could be in the middle and that's totally fine it's just like I don't have a problem with it. I'm not a big gatekeeper in that sense either. I don't really give a shit about like the fandoms or like what they copy or anything like that. I just like to see what product could become out of it. And that's like the funnest part about it is when it comes to these copycats and, and these people that, that draw influence from these movies, obviously it's going to have something that I'm going to resonate with or a soundtrack that might be cool or an idea that may be cool, especially like with this film. Like obviously this film wasn't a fantastic film, but you have these, like, you have the freaking dentist and doctor scene that I might not ever forget because it's just so fun and, like, so unique in the sense of, like, she can't use her arms, but she's still able to do all these things. She was able to drive with this little girl on her lap. Um, all these things are really fun, and it came out of, like, an okay to good movie, you know? Um, and it's something that, like, these little pieces that might influence me or might influence someone else are, like, to think differently about what they want to do with their action films. And that's something I'm obviously open to. Um, and yeah, like as regards to like how it compares to the originals, obviously it's still pretty low on the list, but it was still pretty fun. And as regards to copycats, I think it's pretty high up as well. Like, even though I can't name that much, um, I think it's something that really holds up decently well as regards to like the, the countless amount of people that try to draw influence from these action comedy sided films um and with that carmela i want to ask you one slash two more questions and it's the way we sort of view these kind of movies i think um i have a lot of fun with watching movies and and essentially not taking it so seriously but there has to be a line you know a fun to good movie ratio at one point do you like realize that it's bad even though you're still having fun, at what point do you see that it's good, even though it's something that's so serious and you're not exactly enjoying it? Um, and with that question, a subsequent question, at what point in this movie did you accept the fact that like it's not going to be fantastic, but it is something that you like? Sorry for the... Uh, questions it's very i know it's very heavy it's just a lot <laughs> sorry for the uh questions um so obviously it depends on the movie to like what point at what point during the movie am i like oh this is kind of bad but 
I'm going to take a seat back now and recline my chair and just have fun with it. Um, I guess for this movie, of course, like for me, it was definitely like the most like blatant to me when the mom, the mom's reveal happened. And then it only confirmed things when, you know, it felt like the movie sort of like dipped from there. Like you had like some like you had because I was like also just keeping in mind like very the action sequences um not like seriously but I was like wow that was a cool action sequence you know like the dentist scene like wow I'm gonna remember that um and then the parking garage thing I was like wow that was cool um and then yeah it was like the midpoint where it turned for me and I was like "Ooh, okay it's fine (laughs) But I was like, oh, I still have fun. Like, but also I was like, oh, okay. Because um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I kind of see where this is going now. I think at that point where the movie kind of gets predictable, I'd say, you know, you're like, oh, okay. I see, like, you clearly kind of see where this is going, what the ending might be like. Um, is probably when I, like, extra chill out and kind of accept everything that's coming at me. Um and then what was your other question? What point did we accept them? Okay. My um, other question is when do we like, we have a lot of fun obviously with movies and like there are obviously movies that are bad, but we still have fun with it. There are movies that are good that we still have fun with it. And that sort of ratio into that. Um, how do we, especially you, like cross that line of like, when do you start having thoughts of it being a bad movie and you still have fun with it? And when do you have thoughts of it being a good movie, but it's not something that you particularly would watch again, if that makes sense? Where is that ratio with you? And like, how do you decipher and decide like, okay, I, I know this is bad, but I'm going to just let it flow, you know? Especially when it came to this movie, you kind of had like that midpoint of like the mom and stuff like that. But you're still like, I'm just going to sit back and let it happen. At what point, like, do you sit back and let it happen? You're just like, okay, it's not getting any better. Like, at what point do you like stop having fun with it, I guess? I think, okay, so I was trying to think of a movie where I think I knew it would be bad, but I expected it to be a fun type of bad, but then it was actually just bad. Um, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but it was Cats, and I was like... <laughs> I knew it. I was like, <laughs> when you said the way you like explained it, I was like, oh, she's going to say it Cats. It was Cats, and, like- and I think the ratio is formed when you form your personal expectation either before the movie or during the movie, depending on where you see it going. And I feel like if either that expectation is not fulfilled, it depends on whether you really did not have fun or whether you did have fun as like in regards to, you know, gunpowder milkshake after the, at the midpoint where I was like, Oh, this movie's kind of going downhill for me. I kind of, expect it to go a certain way and I'm gonna sit back and like try to have fun with it and I did you know because I think I had that expectation in mind and then I think you know cats from the get-go from the beginning I was like all right I'm gonna sit back and have fun here and then it was like kind of fun but it was because it was kind of awkward and scary and then it just got like scary and weird and just just not enjoyable like I can't even describe why I didn't have fun it was just not and 
I think we all walked away from that movie feeling the same way and had very similar expectations. Um, actually, I don't know if Sophia thought it would be good. I actually have no idea. But yeah, I think it the ratio comes from the expectation that you have at some point during or before the movie. Do you think at any point in time with Gunpowder Milkshake that like after the mother reveal and like towards the second act, do you think there's anything that this movie could have done that to make you like start to not like it altogether? Like is do you think there's ever a moment in in movies like that of Gunpowder like Gunpowder Milkshake that are that are good but obviously not fantastic? Are there movies that could drastically take make you turn left and hate it kind of in a sense of that way? Oh um i'm trying to figure out a movie where the ending was just or the third act or midpoint was just like horrible and i was like oh my god i hate this movie <laughs> i need to look back since you, if you had since you have like that expectation like is there a moment in time where it's like okay now this is bad like i don't like it now like you're you're making this movie worse you're just digging your grave kind of a thing i can't think of a particular movie off the top of my head that i can reference um I can only speak like on technicalities at this point. Like, I feel like if, you know, the director sets up a certain like, like has a setup for their character and it's going like in a specific direction and that setup is paid off or not paid off and it's just like super weird and like maybe even offensive. <laughs> like, I feel like <laughs> I, I don't know how. Like, I don't know if it was like <laughs> just became really racist all of a sudden. I don't, know. I don't know what they could possibly do. The daughter just starts like yelling obscenities and <laughs> like stuff like that. Racial slurs, like some and somehow. like Karen Gillan just accepts it for whatever reason or supports like, uh, it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of a movie where I like just left turn hated it, had a, was having a good time, but then all of a sudden hated it. I feel like uh, I don't want to say Frozen Two because I feel like it had issues from the beginning. But right, right. Uh, Do you want some time to think while I explain my uh, process with the fun and the good and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I'm gonna look back at our what we've seen, what I've seen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, audience, so audience, <laughs> audience for me. Just me and you. <laughs> <clears throat> um, at the at so with this film, Gunpowder Milkshake, I er, accepted the fact that it wasn't going to be a good movie, but still something to have fun with. Was when I kind of like, kind of at the point of where the dentist doctor scene was, mm. um, a scene that I love, obviously, but. There are there are certain aspects of those scenes that like made me think like well this could have been solved a long time ago and the fact that like you guys should have attacked you guys should have planned your attack better you guys um you know have a big advantage here and you guys didn't take it and yeah. obviously there's some things that like <laughs> Sam's character did that like all right that's kind of extra um and I accepted the fact that like there are some plot holes and some things that like obviously would be easily solved if they did certain things and that's when i was like okay this isn't gonna be a fantastic movie when i'm gonna have fun with it and it didn't necessarily um go down from there it just sort of plateaued and sort of like raised sometimes sort of 
down sometimes. So nothing like drastically going downhill. Like it wasn't revealed that the little girl was a Trump supporter or something like that. That like totally like went off base or anything like that. Or something that like was so outrageous that like I just completely hated the movie. It was just something that I like was able to watch. I like in my head too, I don't know if there's any instance apart from something really political, if this movie would make me hate it. Um, maybe like just, I don't know if it turned into a superhero movie and like Karen Gillan was invincible. I don't know. I don't know what could have possibly happened for the, for myself to not like the film altogether. Um, like you said, like it became an expectation of me of like, okay, these plot holes are going to be here. I'm going to let that happen and just continue watching. Um, and my expectations were, I guess, met in that sense. Cause obviously with the car scene, the, the garage scene, which we both love and I still love as well. There are certain aspects of like, well, she's driving a red car. I don't know. You don't see it kind of a thing. Like I was able to sort of accept that and sort of it met my expectations as regards to like, yeah, that's going to happen in this film of them missing the obvious, obvious point of catching this female females. Um, but yeah, and I think that's where like I sort of settled down with it. Um, I can't think of a point of where like I did like a film and it went downhill and I just hated it altogether. Um, but as regards to like the fun to good movie ratio and like where I stop having fun and realize that it's a really bad movie, um, it just becomes really an annoyance. The movie becomes annoying to me. <laughs> like when I see yeah. these bad movies that I try, like honestly, I try to give every movie an honest go. Like even if it become if it starts off bad or whatever, or, if, or it has a lot of bad press, whatever. Like I try to give it an equal grounding as regards to other films. Um, and I think the in the point of where like I think movies really bad and I stop having fun is when it just gets really annoying of how bad it is and it very like at times I just like damn how did you get this made <laughs> because it's just like there's no way that this is approved with the studio you know like there's <laughs> no way that like you're in the right head to like think of these these things and that one that's cats obviously and. and a little bit of um, in the heights. Um, Dude, I was and- gonna mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but I didn't like, even like like it. You know, from the beginning, it was like I just hated it more and more and more. <laughs> With the in the heights, though, I was really trying because, like, Same. obviously, I had so much high reviews and stuff like that. I'm just like, okay, yeah, the songs are good. Yeah, 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 that's cool. Um, okay. How did it, how did you all ignore this big plot hole of the story? How did you ignore the mom just die or the grab the nana just dying like this or like how did you guys ignore the fact that like this weird train scene is very confusing and kind of creepy? Um, but yeah, it's just when it becomes a bad movie to me is when it comes annoying. Like there's nothing I could have fun with. I can't even make fun of it and have fun. It's just like god like i can't believe this is something that's been made that exists it's it's, (laughs) yeah something that you got something you got money to make kind of a thing um but yeah like it's it just becomes something that's annoying to me and like i do enjoy a lot of bad movies a lot of the fast and furious films are really fun to me even though you know they're not the best best films um there are some films that i still have fun with and even though they're perceived as bad like it's it's fun sometimes you know like these bad movies that are still enjoyable it's like very very fun like i it's it's very rare for something like that to happen like something that's bad but also really good something like the room something that's really bad but you can still have fun with it it's 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 fun to to sort of experience that um but did you figure out any movies that you wanted to (laughs) explain that had this 
annoying feeling that you automatically hated, but you were having fun at first. Okay, so I know we haven't talked about this movie in a while, but The Rental was something that... (laughs) Oh, that's actually a really good... Okay, go on, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. It was like, you know, there was a level towards in the beginning towards like close to the middle where it was like okay the setup is kind of interesting like you know there's some elements here you know they they have like you know the tension with like the two couples we're like okay we're ready we're getting ready for like some type of drama happening and it's gonna be scary um (laughs) and then you know you and I both know how that ended up um you know it like it was like all of it just turned out really awful it was like really weird interactions with the characters and then like they were on drugs and they did these things because they were doing like on drugs or whatever things kind of didn't make sense there was like little to no like reasoning as to why some things occurred um and then the ending ultimately it just got like worse progressively worse and worse um and then i think this element of pretentiousness definitely like turned me off and like made me hate this movie even more because i think dave franco thought he was doing something really revolutionary and really different and brilliant um and he very clearly did not understand what horror was (laughs) um and it was just like yeah i think i don't know if that it's this is unique to this movie but there's a like if there's any sort of pretentiousness that i can clearly sense from a movie and that might have had to do with the q a after where it just made everything worse i was like oh my god like are you serious um that like totally made me completely turn on this movie what how do you wow, feel about you, that you, you give Carmela five minutes and she comes through. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a really good point. The rental is deaf. That's a deaf. That's such a good example. Wow. <laughs> Damn it. I'm like, I'm applauding you right now. But anyways, yeah, the rental, really good example of that. Of It was set up really well. I was really excited. You know, Dave Franco's director debut, um, Allison Bree's in it. I like Allison Bree. Um, the idea was really fun. It's, it's an Airbnb that's like fucked up kind of a thing. And then it did go downhill from there. It became something that's like, well, I don't know if that's good. Like, I, don't, I don't know if that's something that, um, I don't know. Didn't really feel it. I didn't like it. And it like kept going downhill from there of like, okay, that's not really redeeming the fact that you're bad. It's, <laughs> it just started to go downhill from there and nothing really, you know, came out of it. That was good. Um, and you also made a good point that we saw the Q&A that like made me hate it even more just because like. <laughs> So many people were blowing so much smoke into Dave Franco's ass, and Dave Franco was blowing smoke into his uh, his own ass. And I'm just like, there is so much smoke in here that like I'm like, <laughs> I want to leave. I want to drive away right now. I'm pissed. I'm pissed <laughs> off. You guys are famous. That you guys have money. That you guys get to do these things because you guys are doing it the wrong way. I was like, oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, the Q and A was definitely something that made me hate the movie more, which is really funny. But yeah, good example. Really good example. I um, I actually have another example. I'm so sorry. Last thing. But okay, no, this on, is exclusive to you and especially Sophia. Um, I'd like to submit the movie I'm Thinking of Ending Things. I think that movie had an amazing premise, had an amazing start for the both of you. 
and I think it went completely downhill, um, you know, after they left the parents' house. I don't know. I don't. I think. I think I kind of liked it, if I remember correctly. You? I, I thought I you didn't it, like it. I I don't remember. I think. Uh, right. Sophia's shaking her head. <laughs> I know. She. You just want to like? You, did I not like it? I thought you. Both of you gave it. Well, Sophia gave it the lowest rating, and then you gave it a pretty low rating too. And then I absolutely loved it. And then you guys are like, I don't understand. But then I was like, I don't know what it is about it. Um, I feel like I gave it like a score under yours, though. I think I was like, yeah, yeah. kind of on the same boat. But like, I don't know. I feel like I liked it. I don't, I don't remember anymore. It's a. I remember I liked it a lot though because it was very interesting. Would you like to know. phone um, <laughs> phone a friend? Maybe it's different. Would you like to phone in Sophia? Oh, Sophia, would you like to explain your feelings of the film really quickly? I'm thinking of ending things or this movie? I'm thinking of ending things. Wait, okay, real quick. You absolutely did not like it. Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay, I guess I like, didn't your like it. Your review of it was bad. Like, that was why it was such a memorable episode because I think it was one of the first, like, major films that you and Carmela disagreed on. Really? Yeah, that's what I remember. Why do I think of it as such a good, positive note? <laughs> in hindsight, in retrospect, it's, like, amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I just. But as far as I'm thinking of ending things goes, I absolutely loved, like, the cinematography, the acting. Like, as a movie, it was absolutely beautiful. But just in execution, like, in plot, in story, it was lacking so much. And I feel like I'm not talking loud enough. No, you are. You're like, good. it's not. You're good. Am I? Yeah. I mean, I can clearly. But hear I you. mean, I'm done. I just, <laughs> I, I wanted it to be so much better than it was, and the caliber of the movie, like the way that the that the scenes were set up, and just how like beautifully everything was shot, I almost like was looking for more in the movie than there was. But I'm gonna get upset if I keep talking about it, so I'm gonna walk. <laughs> it's an emotional response. Huh. I know. So f- that was a perfect example of <laughs> of a movie that she did like, but went downhill as a guys of that. I honestly don't remember it. I don't know. Why do I think I like it? Give it a rewatch. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Oklahoma scene at the end. Oklahoma. At, at the very. That was the very last scene. Okay. Oh shit. You blocked. Oh you hated it so much. You blocked I, it no, out of your memory. I, for- <laughs> I thought we're thinking of she dies tomorrow. Oh, you're crazy. Oh my god, okay. are you serious? Okay. No. Yeah. no, 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 Tony no, no. Collette, the one Tony Collette was there. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, good thing it's at the end of the episode because this is just, we're just talking about <laughs> I know, <laughs> we're just jogging your memory at this point. Okay, I'm thinking of anything is a good example because I did not like that movie. It was good it was until up, the right? end. It was like set up. <laughs> it was the, set up right. But then it went yeah. downhill for you guys, right? Oh man! <laughs> no, this episode's unnecessarily long because I forgot what movie we were talking about. It's not, not about Gunpowder Milkshake at all. <laughs> Secretly about, I'm thinking of many things. I know. <laughs> okay, yeah, good example. Um, but also with that, this has been our surprisingly long episode of Gunpowder Milkshake. Um, oh God! Really fantastic action film. I love seeing Karen Gillian in new roles. Um, I love these sort of um, movies that try to attempt their influences and their inspirations into a film. And I want to see more of this. I want to see more of people trying to, I guess, quote unquote, copy their influencers and turn their inspirations into their work of art. Because I love seeing that. I love the translation of different influences and how they make it. 
And with that, this has been our episode of Gunpowder Milkshake. My name is Josh Landicho, and you can follow me on Instagram at the Space Wolf. And I'm Carmel, and you can follow me at CatMellow. And you could follow Watch With Sound at Watch With Sound on Instagram, along with listening to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, and Anchor. And if any of those apps have the option to like, comment, subscribe, or anything of that nature, that helps out a lot. We also have a program on Anchor called Listener Supporter. If you want to subscribe at any dollar amount of your choosing, of course, only if you're able to, that helps out a lot as well. But with that, thank you all for listening, everybody, and keep on watching. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> For the firm, whoa, Paul Giamatti, whoa, whoa, watch out for him. My knee.